Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody. It's Josh Rutledge, your co-host for Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us more, please head over to our website, fearscapepodcast.com. There you can click on store and browse some really awesome t-shirts and maybe pick a couple up or even go to our Patreon page and see how you can support us monthly. We love bringing you awesome content just as much as you like listening to it. Enjoy the show. Coming to you from nowhere, a suburb of parts unknown. Join Stefan and Lance, the Misters of the Dark, as they review all things horror with their latest victim. <laughs> I mean guest. <laughs> New episodes of Misters of the Dark drop Mondays on the Fearscape Media Network. Fearscape Media Network, exploring the unknown, one podcast at a time. Hello, I'm so glad you could join us. I hope you brought your blanket to hide under. The spooky crew is going to discuss things and events from other realms, ghosts, Cryptids, aliens. Be sure to hold your blanket extra tight as the boys take you deep into the fear scale, fear scale, fear scale. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a very special bonus episode of Fearscape Paranormal Podcast. This is Stefan, one of your hosts from Fearscape, and we are getting close to the 100th episode of our show. And to celebrate, we are premiering a series of episodes called The Road to 100, Days Gone By, where we let you listen to episodes from Fearscape Past, from our old radio show, Fearscape FM, and more. And there may even be a few surprises, things that have never even been heard before. We hope you enjoy this archived episode of Fearscape, and remember, hold those blankets extra tight. The following program is presented for entertainment purposes. WCHQ does not necessarily endorse the ideas presented. Fearscape is a program that explores the legends and lore around many creepy and scary things. Information is researched and presented in an entertainment fashion and is presented based off of what we found. Legends have a way of changing over time, so... Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Fearscape FM, your home for all the paranormal at 100.9 FM WCHQ. We are here, as usual, getting ready to share with you all the spooky stuff that we've found this week. But sadly, our co-host with the most host, Brad McQuarrie, he is out sick. So, me, your host, Stefan Gerhardt, is joined again by my dude, Mr. Ed Black. What's up, everybody? Good so to I be got... back on Fearscape FM, <laughs> yep. hanging with the spooky crew. Yep, spooky crew. Just one me. half of it, anyway. <laughs> yep, so I got Ed coming back to fill in. Uh, 
while Mr. Brad is uh, sick. You know, we were both out for the last two weeks. We had some uh, vacation time that we had to take. Yeah, and you actually just returned from a trip out to Arizona. I did. I went out to Phoenix. My brother lives out in Phoenix, and so my wife and I went out there to visit, but we said we're going to make a vacation out of this, and uh, we went and visited the Grand Canyon. We went and visited uh, one of the aquariums out there and Tombstone. Oh. oh, seeing uh, Mr. Stefan right here, he looks he looks good. He look he looks like he got some uh, got some sun on his face. Yeah, take a little sun. I was just telling that earlier. It is not a good place to go if you're a vampire. <laughs> um, the the sun out there, you know, it's a dry heat, so it, it's different heat. It's not hot so, like here today, where it was like what like seventy five, but it felt like a hundred because you're just sweating. You, you know? see, and that that's that was my question. There is like, how does it feel to come back from like a dry heat atmosphere to like a moist, awful? Heat? Because not only that, I came back to all these allergies, everything, and it was like stepping into a steam room at the Y. It was awful. <laughs> like, I couldn't breathe. Out there, the, the thing that sucks about the sun out there is that the sun is sharper. It hits you hard and fast like a sword, right? Yeah. But you step over into the shade, it's literally 30 degrees cooler. Wow. I mean, and you don't sweat like you do here because it's actually evaporating and keeping you cool. Like it actually does its job, but you have to stay hydrated a lot because you will run out of sweat real quick. (laughs) So Wow, that sounds amazing. Yeah. (laughs) And so uh, I will share with you a story that I got into in just a moment for Creepy creepy Ketchup, Uh, but I wanted to introduce our topic for the night. We are going to be talking about one of the, uh, one of my bucket list areas actually that I haven't been to. It's down in Tennessee and it's the Bell Witch in the Bell Witch Cave. So we're going to be talking about that and I'm super excited to have ed here because uh, this is another one of the most haunted areas in the united states and i like hearing about things like witches yeah and hauntings me yeah. too i like hearing about that stuff well let's get into a quick creepy ketchup creepy ketchup creepy ketchup creepy ketchup creepy ketchup y'all it's creepy Okay, so here's my story. Okay, it's not grand. It's not gravy train. It's it's cool, though. So we went to the oldest still standing structure in Tombstone while we were in Tombstone, and it's called the Birdcage Theater. This is where Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday and all those guys like hung out. This is actually where uh, Josie, uh, Wyatt Earp's wife where she got her career going. She was a dancer. And so they've got nude pictures of her everywhere. And I'm like, can we give this woman some respect? But it's one of the only pictures of her because you didn't get very many pictures back then. Now, is that also what the uh, Robin Williams, Nathan Lane movie nope, is based nope, on? No, very different. Oh, very, very, different. very, very different. This is place. a different birdcage. This is a very different birdcage. But this is where, you know, it was a big saloon and all the dances. And uh, one of the cool posters that they still have there is... Uh, a legitimate poster from back in the 1800s and it's uh, of the fly sisters and they would walk on the ceiling uh and what they did is they they uh installed this huge metal plate this metal plate and then they would swing around and they would flip up and they had magnets in their shoes but the audience didn't know and so they're walking around on the ceiling and the audience really loved it because when they were upside down, their skirts would go whoop. And so all the men would cheer. And that's that's the story we got. So it was a sexy version of the uh, the 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 horrible contortionist thing. Yes. That we see in yes. Horror movies yeah. Now. No hooks into the back. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so we're there and you can do a self-guided tour. Uh, we, we didn't stick around for a ghost tour, which now I wish we had. But I kind of got a little heat sick. And uh, but anyways, we just did a self-guided tour. And uh, we kind of spread out a little bit. I wasn't feeling very good already. And so um, my my wife goes downstairs. Uh, there's a basement area underneath the stage. And that's where all the dancers and the, the prostitutes lived. Like, they lived underneath that stage. It was like their green room slash bedrooms. And, uh, and by the way, there were some really cool old school Kentucky bourbon barrels still under there, which was really neat. But anyways, we get down there and my wife's just got this weird feeling on her face. And like the second I walk in down there, this is also the, the card table is still there where Wyatt Earp and them would play. That was where their private area to play poker and stuff. And man, I just got this weird feeling like it just felt, I just felt afraid. Right? You sort of just sort of like like had that feeling that a presence. Yeah, is there like with something you. was there and it wasn't good, you know. And I look over, I'm about to tell my wife, and my wife's like, "How did I, this room does not feel right? Something's weird. I feel like something's over here." And I'm like, "Me too." 
<laughs> <laughs> and we both just felt it, and we both like just. I don't know, just felt did this you, presence, did, man. Did you try to communicate with it? No, because, uh, like I said, I wasn't feeling good, and if I'm not feeling good, that's grounds for, it's, hey, jump into my body. That's, so Yeah, that's sort of, they, we, they kind of like tell you that anyway. Yeah, we looked, you know, we quickly looked around, got some pictures, state. and I, we both felt like it was back in one of these bedrooms. Um, and the second we stepped out of the doorway into the gift shop, I mean, 100% different. It was just completely different and I took a step back in and I felt it all again the the hairs on my arms kind of came back up I got sick to my stomach I walked back into the other room you know and sure the skeptics say well that room's filled with gas or methane or something I don't know maybe that is but both my wife Ann and I both felt that something not good was in there and she's not really into this stuff so for her to say that is a big deal so it was it was pretty scary, and uh, I mean, I immediately was like, "What do you <laughs> what what do you think it might have been? Have you maybe looked into it or researched it? Any, you know, or? there's a lot going on in there. There's one of the most brutal murders uh, in history that happened there. Um, there was a woman named Margarita, and another woman named I think her name was and and I'm, I know I'm wrong on this, but it's like Goldface or Goldpar. Gold something. I don't. Goldfinger. I don't remember, but it's something like that. And then there was this guy that they were fighting over, right? And uh, uh, Gold Goldie, we'll just call her Goldie. Goldie, that was like her main customer guy. Well, here comes Margarita, flirting wow. and having a good time, and she Trying told to her horn in on her business. Yeah, and she told her to lay off, and but she wouldn't stop it, and so she threw her up against the wall, ripped off her stiletto her own stiletto and stabbed her to death like 17 times oh. with a stiletto. Wow. That's like, hardcore. Yeah. Like it was insane and it's well documented. And, uh, we talked to them there that apparently just recently they discovered the stiletto. Um, oh, wow. it was behind the building was like an old garbage where they would like just put their garbage and bury it. And they decided to excavate, excavate back there. And one of the articles that they found was a bloody stiletto wow and so we didn't get to see it they're like but no is, but isn't it amazing when something like that sort of like validates mm-hmm. the history that they've they've told you yep because they couldn't find the murder weapon that was part of the whole thing is that they couldn't find the murder weapon and, and so, the murder weapon was buried literally yep, in their backyard in their backyard so uh, we're wondering maybe that's what we felt was that rage from well, I mean, Goldie, you know, you know? Well, I mean, the things that we've learned about uh, about intelligent hauntings or what was the other one? Re- re- residual, residual hauntings mm-hmm. so. is that the walls tend to record yeah. emotions and especially those intense negative emotions. Yep. The walls just sort of like absorb that and might murder is a big one. Well, Tombstone is just filled with murders. I mean, everywhere you go. I mean, it's <laughs> I mean that's just an apt name history. for a city, isn't it? Well, and that's what's funny. Uh, I guess the history of the town is is that a guy uh, wanted to turn it into a town or something like that, and somebody joked and said, you you, uh, you might as well get your tombstone ready if you're going to move there. But he well, said, he, oh, it's a perfect He turned name. it into one of the most successful towns in the West, and as a joke, named it Tombstone. And uh, so to kind of, hey, say, hey, fool, look what I did, you know. <laughs> uh, but it, it was really interesting. Yeah, it's a lot of spookiness. Even at the Grand Canyon, I mean, I definitely felt some presences there because there's a lot of people that die every year, dummies, like that do selfies and fall backwards. And Well, I don't, I don't know the truth ab- about this. I mean, this is just something I've heard. The Grand Canyon might actually be the site of the meteor that fell to earth and wiped out the would make a lot of dinosaurs. It would make a lot of sense. I mean, that's, they, they say that's why it is as big and as grand as it is. Cause that is the site of this meteor that crashed to earth and wiped out the dinosaurs. Well, I mean, and if you know anything about Arizona, there's a lot of meteor sites around. Um, there's a lot of, uh, uh, what do they call them? Uh, when, when it hits, I'm not sure. I'm not oh, sure my exactly. brain is dead. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. You <sighs> you just got back from a very dry heat atmosphere. I'm 40. Um, <laughs> but no, there's a, whatever the name is. I'm sorry, people. It's a super easy name. And I, I crater. There it is. Crater. Okay. So there's a lot oh. of craters. I right. I'm I'm sitting here and yep. I can't think of it either. Yeah. So. so there's a lot of craters in Arizona. Some very famous ones as well. So that would kind of support that as well. Can I actually? Oh, can yeah. I Can I actually do one thing for creepy kid? Yeah. Oh yeah. This isn't so much creepy. As it just is something that just happened to me like this week, but I felt like it was something that could be worthy of being mentioned here. Um, Stefan, you know how much I hate posting on social media these mm-hmm. days. 
because it seems like every day I post on social media, somebody wants to pick a fight with me. For sure. For All sure. the time. All you said was you like the Smurfs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, in this case, what this thing was about, it was about Looney Tunes cartoons. Right. I saw that. Yeah. Stefan, you know I'm a cartoon mm-hmm. fanatic. I, am, I, I know everything that there is to know about the old school cartoons. And there is this debate going on. And apparently this has been a debate for you know a couple of decades at least over Looney Tunes as in a musical tune, T-U-N-E-S. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, some people believe it's a mandala effect. Versus tunes, T-O-O-N-S. Mm-hmm. But I've looked at the history, and I've known the history of this, because I, you know, I've you know, read what yep. animators Frizz Freeling and Chuck Jones have said yep. about the, the inception of the Looney Tunes. And at the time, they, Disney had sil- silly symphonies. Yep, silly symphonies. Silly right. symphonies. I, I'm with you on this. I saw all the threads on there. Yeah, so silly symphonies. And to compete with them, uh, the, uh, the, the Termite Terrace animators, which they were known as at the time, came up with Merry Melodies. Yep. And then they came up with a sister cartoon series, Looney Tunes. Yep. Well, somewhere about... Oh, 1993 there was the 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 animated series tiny tunes which that was called t-o-o-n-s and there is this thing about mandela effect yeah but the 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 reason tiny tunes is t-o-o-n-s is because the show is about the tiny versions of the cartoons right it is not a tiny version of looney tunes which is t-u-n-e-s which is what the name of the series was called see and this guy this guy actually thought it was a prequel series to the looney i was like it's not a prequel prequel. series just about smaller type you can't say kids because they're not their kids but they're just, you know, different, smaller versions of them. But, yeah, that's why it's T-O-O-N-S. And I'm pretty sure, with, like you said, Toons didn't even really become a, a thing until Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Right. I mean, Roger Rabbit was was around the point when we started referring to him as Toons, the shortened version of cartoons. And uh, But this guy thought that this was a thing, that Looney Tunes was T-O-O-N-S. And, uh, you know, I own a lot of stuff that is Looney Tunes T-U-N-E-S. Right. And, you know, the DVD series, T-U-N-E-S. But, I mean, that that's the whole idea behind the Mandela effect, though, is that some people remember, some people don't. That, you know, at some point, the dimension shifted. Like, and that that's the whole point. <laughs> so you'll never be able to prove one way or another because there is no proof because the dimension will shift, right? That's right. the whole point, is that everything, if it was T-O-O-N-S, it all changed when the dimensional shift happened, right? That's the whole <laughs> idea behind the Mandela effect. Some stuff I'm on it, some stuff I'm not. Like, there are some stuff, though, that I'm like, oh, man, that's how I remember it, too. <laughs> and, the, and the reason it's called Mandela Effect is because mm-hmm. there was a period when Nelson Mandela was in prison and people could have swore that he died in prison. Yep. But he actually died in 2013. Yep. This is where this whole name I, of Mandela uh, Effect Brad comes from. Brad and I have been talking about doing an episode on the Mandela Effect, so be on but, the lookout for that. But it, 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 to sum it all up here... Uh, I don't think that this was an issue of Mandela effect. I think this is an issue of you're getting old. <laughs> you have a bad the memory. That, the fact that he called the thing a prequel series already negated any credibility that he, he see, might have had. <laughs> see, but he wanted to keep fighting with me. And, yep. and, and I don't understand this thing where people want to fight me because I'm right all the time mm-hmm. in arguments. <laughs> like I'm sorry. I, I hate I hate to brag about it. I am right in most arguments. So it's like anytime these people want to come online and fight me, they're going to lose. Yep. Well, let's move on. That was Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Creepy Ketchup. Y'all, it's Creepy and uh, we're back from that. And um, just a reminder, don't fight Ed online. And don't fight me online. So, but no, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite stories, uh, which is the Bell Witch and the Bell Witch Cave. Both of these, they're, they're very pretty much connected. Uh, but well, let's just get into the Bell Witch a little bit, okay? So there's no supernatural story in American history that is more famous than the Bell Witch. Uh, it is one of the quintessential original American hauntings, so to speak. Uh, in fact, tales of the spirit were so su- widespread that they caught the attention of a general and future president, Mr. Andrew Jackson. 
Betsy Bell, who was John Bell's daughter, was supposedly tortured by the Bell Witch for several years of her childhood. What was the Bell Witch? Well, like most supernatural stories, certain details vary from version to version, but the prevailing account is that the Bell Witch claimed to be the spirit of Kate Batts, a mean old neighbor of John Bell who believed she was cheated by him in a land purchase. The Bell Farm is in a secluded area in Adams, Tennessee. On Batts' deathbed, she swore that she would haunt John Bell and his descendants. There are many ghosts and haunting tales in American history, and when you investigate the many paranormal events, it is hard to overlook the Bell Witch. The human interactions with the spirit date all the way back to 1817. Even Andrew Jackson was quoted as saying, I had rather face the entire British army than to spend another night with the Bell Witch, after he and some troops spent the night on the Bell's farm. Over time, so many people traveled great distances to visit Bell's home that he that it had to eventually be torn down for safety purposes. In the latter part of the 1800s, the historic Bell Witch Cave, Inc. has preserved some of the artifacts from the original cabin, such as a chimney stone and an iron kettle. Now, this is down in Tennessee. Oh, yeah. This is the only Tennessee. <laughs> so let's talk about this Bell Witch thing. Now, this this actually kind of like, uh, has a striking a striking resemblance to the Blair Witch. Right. And, we'll, and I'll actually talk about that a little bit, just a hair. This sort of like inspires. Yes, they, the they were somewhere. absolutely inspired by the Bell Witch. So uh, let's talk about the legend of the Bell Witch. We just talked about kind of an intro on it. But here here's the main to do. Okay. Okay. So you got John Bell. He's a farmer from North Carolina. He's got his wife and his kids. And they decide to settle in northern Robertson County, Tennessee in 1804. They had a 320-acre farm that laid along the Red River. And they lived a pretty peaceful life there for the first 13 years. They were members of the Red River Baptist Church, where John was even a deacon. The family grew and became somewhat prosperous. But then, in the late summer of 1817 something would happen that would change their lives forever some members of the family began seeing strange looking animals around the property maybe it's the the goat man maybe I don't know (laughs) (laughs) then late at night they started hearing knocking sounds on the doors and outer walls of the house later sounds were being heard in the house sounds of a rat gnawing on the bedpost chains being drugged through the house stones being dropped on the wooden floors and then gulping and choking sounds Yeah, that's kind of the point when you want to get out of the house, I think. Yeah, for sure. The the chains dragging along the ground. That's very, um, very Christmas Carol there. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Well, the family was terrified, but they kept the problem to themselves for over a year. When things became intolerable, John confided in a neighbor, James Johnson. He invited Mr. and Mrs. Johnson to spend the night. And after several nights of witnessing these strange things, Mr. Johnson suggested that more people should be told. And a committee was formed and an investigation was started. You see, I like that, that uh, the, you know, these, these people said, well, you know, more people should know about this. We should form a committee. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, they just go. You're crazy. Come yep, on, you're we're crazy. Yeah, come take on, you stay the psych ward. No, no, we're not staying. Come the on, night. put put on this jacket. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> you're not even joking, man. Come with uh, us. It was not long before people were coming from miles and miles around to hear and witness this unseen force that was terrorizing the Bell home. Before long, this unseen force had gained enough strength that it now had a voice. When asked who it was and what it was, it gave different identities. It once stated that it was the witch of a neighbor woman named Kate Batts. This is what many people believed, and from then on, this unseen force was called Kate, the Bell's Witch. See, I don't like that when they like to give uh, several identities. (laughs) I'm also Tony. (laughs) Uh, I am Frank. (laughs) I am also Andre the Giant. Yeah. (laughs) Brother. Uh, It seemed that Kate had two main reasons for visiting the Bell home. The main one was to kill John Bell. For what reason, no one knows, because Kate never gave a reason why. The second reason was to stop John's youngest daughter, Betsy, from marrying a certain neighbor boy named Joshua Gardner. Over the next three years, Kate tormented members of the Bell family almost daily. John and his daughter, Betsy, were the ones that received the worst of the physical abuse. Betsy had her hair pulled. She was pinched, scratched, stuck with pins, and even beaten. While John Bell began suffering from spells of swelling of the throat and often had the feeling of a stick being stuck sideways in his throat. Ah! Right? 
Then came the twitching and jerking of the facial muscles. Kate would blast him with curses and hideous threats during these spells. As time went on, John Bell became weaker and weaker. Kate was becoming well-known and drew large crowds of people. She seemed to be a very she seemed to be very intelligent in many things, including the Bible, people's pasts, and their future. She could be in two places at the same time, miles apart from each other. Kate finally accomplished her mission for coming to the Bell Farm. On December 20th, 1820, John Bell died. It was believed that he was poisoned by Kate, and Kate took full credit for his death. And then on March of 1821, young Betsy broke off her engagement with Joshua Gardner. Kate then bid everyone farewell and promised to return in seven years. She did return in 1828 for a few short weeks. During this visit, she came to the home of John Bell Jr. and had long talks with him about the past, the present, and the future. She made some predictions for the future. She also said that there was a reason for John Bell's death. However, she never said what the reason was. After the second visit, she said she, her next return would be in 107 years. And that would have been in 1935. But some believe that Kate never left the area at all due to the strange things that has occurred in and around the town of Adams and the Bell Witch Cave over these many years. The legend of the Bell Witch is part of Tennessee history and is still taught in schools today. Wow. Where was that when I was in elementary school? <laughs> I know. I would have loved right? to have learned about that. I mean, you know, okay, so Kate... After a while, it became kind of like a carnival attraction. There were barkers like oh, out yeah, around the house. Oh, yeah, she ate it up. Come see this amazing spirit as she sticks sticks sideways in this guy's throat. Well, I don't even think Kate was a spirit at that point. I, I don't think she was dead. She, I think she was just, she just a person who's manifesting spells and curses and ghosts themselves and, and things like that. And so they were interested in Kate as well, but they couldn't prove anything, so she couldn't go to jail she couldn't do any of that stuff. Well, of course not. I mean, this is stuff that people pay like $35 a pop to go and see. Yeah, and they just 100 years prior, they stopped burning them. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, she didn't do that. But uh, it's just crazy to think, you know, like, you, you know, John, I get, you know, like, uh, I could see her being mad at him. But the daughter, like... You just don't want her to marry that guy, or did John not want her to marry that guy, right? <laughs> so she, well, she had an objection. Yeah. Now, was she being heard out, or was she being denied? Right. Well, it sounds like she was being denied. She, she, was, she obviously had an objection to this wedding. Maybe she knew something about John that nobody else knew. Right, or about the, uh, the, the, uh, the uh, excuse me, the... Josh. Josh, Josh yeah, the Josh guy. Um, so who knows? Is there something about Joshua Gardner that young Betsy did not know? Right. That maybe Kate knew? Yeah. And she I mean, objected. If, yeah, if Kate could see the past and the future, maybe she saw I mean, you know, anybody, anybody who is a great seer, maybe you ought to listen to him. I mean, if Nostradamus says, don't marry this woman, <laughs> then it's like, you know what? I, I think I'm going to listen to this guy. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. Nostro said no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but more than just the legend of the Bell Witch is the legend of the Bell Witch Cave. Yeah. So now there now there's a cave. Right. Well, the cave's always been on the property. But now it's a massive part of the legend and lore as well. So the cave on the property uh, that is associated with the Bell Witch, uh, many believe that when the witch departed, she fled the sanctuary of this cave so that she would go and hide in the cave. And that's where she would go anytime there was trouble on her end. And that's where she would do her potions and her spells and whatnot. Seems like a safe, safe place to hide. Right. But strangely, during her vicious tenure on the Bell Farm, one story says the witch also made time to save a child inside of the Bell Witch Cave and gave a quick lesson on safety. Well, first of all, don't go, go into caves with strangers. Right. Well, and this also says, hey, not all witches are bad, okay? If you mess with them, they might be, but they still like people, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and so according to this version of the legend, a group of children were playing on the farm when they discovered a 500-foot-long Long karst cave. During their exploration of the dark cavern, one of the children became stuck in a hole. Panicking, the child called out for help, only to hear his cry answered by a voice shouting, I'll get him out! 
That no, no, leave me in. Leave, <laughs> leave me, me in. in. <laughs> that voice and the invisible hands that pulled the boy out of the hole belonged to the Bell Witch, the same witch that choked John Bell, tortured his daughter, and dragged chains through their house at all hours of the night. And all of a sudden, she's Superman. Right. After pulling the child out of the hole, the invisible witch, in an uncharacteristic act of kindness, gave the children a quick lesson on safely exploring caves and then disappeared again. <laughs> Most accounts hold that the Bell Witch Cave served as the witch's home when she was not tormenting the bells, and modern-day tours point out the cave's spooky features. Despite the witch's one supposed good deed inside the cave, many who have explored it have reported strange phenomena, and it's widely considered one of the scariest places on the famous haunted farm. So what kind of things are they experiencing in this cave? Uh, it, all kinds of stuff from, from what I've gathered, maybe being some of the stories that we have, but people hear voices calling to them. They hear walking or running, or they, a lot of times hear on EVPs, get out, um, because this was her sanctuary. So that was her safe place where she went to hide. Like I said, it was in a, in a sense became her home. It's just that children are playing around the cave and it's saying that she, she's pulling them in. And giving them safety lessons. Yeah. Get out of here. Okay, here's a hard hat. <laughs> here, put on this hat. Follow the follow the lights wherever you go I just imagine here. Winston Zedmore's there with his hard hat on. <laughs> He's like, this is my pal, Winston Zedmore. And she, she, she's going, okay, now these stalactites right here are formed. When, it's, like a tour, it's like a tour guide inside a mammoth cave or something. Right. You know, it's... This is what I'm imagining, is that she, she, she's pulling children in and, and teaching them safety. Right. Well, it's you know, they're, they're kids. You know, the thing about Betsy is that she was a teenager. And uh, if you know any history of poltergeists and the such, a lot of people believe that uh, teenagers can manifest that type of energy because it didn't exist until she hit that sweet age, you know? Okay. And, um, you know, there are a lot of people that say she's the one that didn't want to be with Joshua and fought against her father and uh, things like that and unintentionally was creating this poltergeist uh, and things like that. But regardless... uh, you know, it's like Jason Voorhees. He never messed with little kids. It was always just teens and adults, right? So maybe <laughs> right. the Bell Witch was like that too. Like, hey, little guy, you better, oh, you better be careful. <laughs> let, let me teach you how to navigate these caves. Just ima- <laughs> I'm just imagining her wearing wearing like a crossing guard out <laughs> right? With like a light flashing on her shoulder. She's got the hat on. Yep. And she's got the wa- waving the flashlights around. But yeah, I mean that that seems to be the most haunted spot. And now maybe it's because the house is torn down. Maybe that's part of it too, uh, but yeah, a lot oh, of people. Oh, with the house torn down, she has nowhere else to go. Right, this that's cave, what I'm saying. Right? It's like so people swear that that's where they get the the, the scariest feelings. They've been pushed and shoved and uh, things like that, but not in the area of the house or the other pieces of the land. Though some stuff I'm sure has happened there. Yeah. Um, but let, let's talk a little bit about that. There's some varying stories and uh, popular media, and even a little bit of skepticism, of course, as usual. Oh, of course. Um, stories vary depending on who's telling the tale, of course. Some narratives claim that the ghost was actually a male slave whom Bell had killed in his past, while others say it was someone who had cheated in North Carolina who had come back from beyond the grave for revenge. The most popular theory, of course, is the witch that was the neighbor, Kate Batts, and she had that strong dislike for John and his daughter. The story really entered Southern folklore when Bell died under suspicious circumstances. People said he had been poisoned by the witch who had been haunting the farm. Now, as it's told today, most of the story behind the Bell Witch comes from a book written by Martin Van Buren Ingram, more than 70 years after the alleged incidents took place. The book was called An Authenticated History of the Bell Witch. But unfortunately for fans of the supernatural, no one else has been able to authenticate what Ingram wrote. Despite this, the legend of the Bell Witch lives on today in fiction and in fact. The famous low-budget indie horror film, The Blair Witch Project, was inspired by the legend, as well as the movie An American Haunting, starring Donald Sutherland as John Bell, which was more of an exact retelling of the folktale. Um, I thought that was a very good movie. I thought it, it I did very well. I haven't seen that. Oh, I'm going to have to go. Highly and, recommend it. Yeah, I'm American Haunting. I'm going to have haunting. to look that up, American Haunting. I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, and they play it as if, you know, things were happening as they happened. Uh, it's it's period piece. It's done very well. Is it uh, chilling? It is chilling. It is very chilling. It's it's done very, very well. Because the Blair Witch Project, I mean, you know, that's, uh, that's, of course, a movie that was made for about, what, $10,000. Yeah. 
And, uh, I mean, they, they basically scared horror movie audiences with sticks and stones. Yeah, it's An funny, amazing piece it's of funny work. because we just talked about that on uh, my horror podcast on Happy Campers uh, because Lance called that the most overrated horror film that he'd ever seen. But he was a kid when it came out. He didn't see it in theater. So by the time he got around to Blair Witch, he already knew the hype. He already knew it was fake, all that stuff. But when we went and saw the thing in the theater. When we went and saw it, we thought this we was wa- real. We just watched a documentary on sci-fi giving us the history of the Blair Witch and the surrounding town and I'm like oh my god this is real and this is before the internet's huge so it's like you know you're still like it's hard to search stuff so you're not really looking and then that movie comes out I can remember because I was a big Christian boy and a bunch of us went and we went and saw that my feet were up the whole time like I was so scared we went out in the parking lot and we prayed we prayed for these people <laughs> because we were so scared we couldn't believe they hadn't been found yet and like all kinds of stuff we were out there praying and we were like making sure no demons came home with I swear to God this is what we See, did and they, they had posters out like in every city like missing child posters yeah with pictures they, of these people. It was the best old school viral campaign ever. It was so good and it was done so well. And they didn't break the news for like a month. And it was just all of a sudden they were on MTV or whatever. And we we're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> it was done very well. So uh, only overrated to those that weren't part of the hype. So, But anyways, another thing that makes this particular yarn about the Bell Witch so chilling is that you can visit the rural Tennessee location where it allegedly all took place. The property that John Bell once owned has now been turned into a tourist attraction. There's the cave on the property that is said to be haunted. Tours are offered during the summer and also in the fall from Labor Day through Halloween. They include a hike into the cave and a chance to walk through the replica of the cabin that Bell and his family called home. So you can actually hike through the cave. You can. You can. Halloween is a month-long affair at the Bell property. I think they call it like Bell Witch Day. Uh, it's listed on the National Register of Historic Places. It's uh, just north of Nashville in Adams, Tennessee. Um, and all of this stuff can be found uh, at bellwitchcave.com. Uh, bellwitchcave.com uh, is where I got a lot of my information from, but it talks about their tours. They also do more uh, less spooky tours, like canoe tours and things like that. <laughs> canoe tours? Yeah, there's like a river or something. Oh, I'd um, love to do that. Yeah, but the rest of the places, I, I love sharing my sources because I want you guys to look into this more too. Bellwitchcave.com. I also went to atlasobscura.com. The uh, Mother Nature Network, which is MNN.com, as well as BellWitchStory.com. Lots of great information there to check out. Um, but yeah, it is, is a really cool destination to go visit, and I wish I had gone and visited it, and I plan on it. But I lived so close to it when I went to Western, and I never went. <laughs> so, But this is still something that's doable, because it's mm-hmm. just right down in Nashville. Oh yeah, and it's not very expensive either. It's like 18 bucks or something, like to spend the day like it's it's super cool you ought to go hook up with uh, some of the illegal musicians who have moved from here right to Nashville and yeah say hey up. we're in your area we're gonna go and see the bell witch so yeah exactly see if maybe she would sing with you guys oh, be careful in the cave <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about some sightings, okay? Okay. Bellwitchstory.com is where I found a bunch of these. These are where people can collect their stories and things, and I just grabbed a couple. There's a bunch, a bunch, a bunch, bunch, bunch. You can you can get on there. A lot of these are modern days. Yeah, sightings. these are people that have got on there to share their own sightings. So why don't you grab the first one for us? This one comes from Rick White. He's the writer and director of the movie The Bell Witch Haunting. Uh, a couple of these are from that. They all had their own experiences while they were filming this. This is actually like filmed on location. Yeah, it's filmed site. on location. I, I haven't wow. seen it, so I don't know if it's a documentary or if it's, you know, like a low-budget movie or what. But, uh, yeah. Okay, citing according to Rick White. A few years ago, while conducting research for a script that would later become The Bell Witch Haunting, I was walking near the opening of the cave on the Bell property with a fellow writer. We were walking right beside each other with no one else around. Everything was quiet. When suddenly we heard a woman angrily whisper over our shoulders, right in our ears, What are you doing here? We both quickly turned. No one was there. With the exception of long, hard shooting days, the filming of the movie went fairly smooth. We wrapped photography in February 2003, but due to commitments on other projects, we did not start editing the film until the end of April. After completing the editing of the last individual scene and preparing to put the scenes together on June 10th while no one was in the office, 
A fax machine, which was on standby, mysteriously caught on fire and burned our office. The machine was always left on to receive faxes and was the only thing on in the office. We had the machine for over two years and had never had any problems with it. The machine was on standby because we had not used it in a couple of days and it automatically went into power saver. The office was totally destroyed. Fortunately, we had backup copies of the film and were able to continue in editing. Although delayed for a couple of months after the fire, I proceeded to edit at home, where we began to experience several odd things, including strange feelings, strong unexplained odors, a turned-off cell phone ringing, and unusual problems with the new editing equipment. We had to have the computer repaired three times in three months, causing extra work and delays. Evidently, the spirit did not like what we were saying about her. While we were filming the movie, it was also news that the Bell Witch Museum curator's house somehow caught on fire, and she was found deceased at the front door, evidently trying to get out. A few months after our fire, the Red River Baptist Church portrayed in the movie mysteriously caught on fire. Three unexplained fires that we know of in less than a year. Someone has been busy. She's still active. Ooh. She's still out here messing you're with You're making people. a movie about her, and she's not liking what you're saying. Nope. And all of a sudden, uh, your your offices catch on fire. Uh, the places that you had filmed at are catching fire. Uh, people are experiencing uh, you know, odors. They're experiencing sounds. They're experiencing spirits over their shoulder, telling them to get out. I mean, yeah. Big, big stuff. (laughs) Big, big stuff goes on, especially when you're you're actually like uh, holding down in the area where the spirit actually like Mm -hmm. inhabits. Yep. Uh, This next one I'm going to have you read again is Linda Thornton, producer of the movie The Bell Witch Haunting. So this is another one of the crew from The Bell Witch Haunting. Okay. A couple of years ago, a group of people, I was in that group, went to the Bell Witch Cave in Adams, Tennessee. After touring the cave, our group was talking right outside of the opening. Then I decided to walk ahead to our car. While I was walking alone, I suddenly heard a woman's voice coming from behind me say in a loud whisper, Linda! Linda! As I looked around to see who from the group was playing a trick on me, there was no one to be seen. You see, it's an open field going from the cave to the parking lot of this property. Very unexplainable very unnerving and made me feel numb with shock bum 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 oh <laughs> uh, and that you notice how she said coming from the cave so interesting oh, somebody's calling your name from the cave i'm running <laughs> no it's the same thing for in a haunted house and yep. somebody starts saying yeah. my name i'm out yeah Gone. Uh, so these next two are just kind of normal. Well, next couple are just normal Joes. But this comes from uh, this one is from Robert L. Uh, he didn't leave his last name. He says doesn't want the Bell Witch to get him. Exactly. Back in the 1980s, I went to the Bell property several times with various people. I was in an acoustic band that actually recorded a four song EP about the Bell Witch. And as many before and after me had been pretty enthralled with the legend since childhood. Anyway, on one particular occasion, I took a girlfriend who was visiting from out of town to see the cave on a Sunday morning. This was in 1986 when the Eden family still owned the property. No one was home when we arrived, but I had been there so often that we thought it would be alright to stroll on down to the cave entrance. It was beautiful spring morning overlooking the Red River, and since the cave was, of course, gated and locked, we sat down and were chatting nearby, enjoying the view and the nice weather. As we sat chatting, we both froze in mid-conversation. After a moment or two, one of us said, Do you hear what I hear? We both could hear a woman's voice singing, far back in the dark recesses of the cave. The sound was so subtle and, and ethereal that we couldn't make out words or a melody, but we could hear the voice rise up and then fall down to a lower register. It was an eerie sound that made us weak in the knees, and it went on for a couple of minutes, I guess. Needless to say, we talked in a state of excitement about it all the way back to Nashville. We left without the Edens ever returning home, presumably from church. On another occasion, I ended up having the lights turned off and the gate closed on me while I was still in the cave. That's another odd story. In several visits to the cave, 
this was the only distinctly supernatural thing I had ever experienced. But in talking with Old Man Eden before he died, he told me some pretty hair-raising things that he had experienced in his 40-odd years of living on that property. <laughs> and that's where that story's going to leave off. Yep. Cliffhanger! <laughs> Old Man Eden is saying, you know what? I have experienced over 40 years of really strange phenomenon. I'll see you later. But that's for another time. time. Croak. Uh, This next one comes from Willie Windwalker. This is what happened to me in the Bell Witch Cave. It was September 15, 2004. My wife and I were asked to go with some local ghost hunters to investigate the Bell Witch of Adams, Tennessee. When we got to the town of Adams, we first visited the cemetery about one mile from the Bell Witch Cave. The descendants of the bells were all there, and I could feel a strange energy all around the area. We stayed about 30 minutes, then went to the cave site. Before I went in, I drank some holy water and blessed myself. My wife stayed outside. As I entered, I could feel enormous energy, like hot electrical energy. As I walked around, I felt hatred and sorrow everywhere. Then I saw some orbs appear two green orbs, then a mist shape. I sensed the orbs were children and the mist to be female. I said that I was there in peace and meant no harm. As I walked further away, the orbs changed to two children, a boy and a girl. The mist became what appeared to be a woman, very translucent. Stay away, I was told, but I walked on. I then saw other spirits forming. They were Native Americans. The whole place was under a native burial ground, and the Indians did not seem to be bothered by me as I am Cherokee. As I walked through the cave, the woman spirit got more angry. Go away! Now! She said, and I said, I'm here in peace, and I am going on. And as I continued through, I was pushed and my hat was knocked off, but I was able to push through to the main cave. There I was met by a film crew doing a TV show. The director asked me to tell the spirit to give me a sign that she was there. And I said, woman of the cave, give a sign that you are here. Immediately their cameras were all turned off. And after some pleading, the cameras were restored and we left the cave. Yes, I will tell you this. There is a dominant female force inside the Bell Witch Cave. I'm trying to figure out in the story where all of a sudden TV cameras or TV crews there. Well, he said he went outside and there was a TV crew out there doing some sort of show. So he stepped oh. out. He he says that he was pushed on through to the main cave. I mean, and I could I could understand like the beginning part where it says uh, asked to go with some local ghost hunters, but then he says there was a TV crew. Doing so a they might have just been there. I mean, they could have been a news crew just doing a show, and got, you know, he just happened to come out and they were there. Who knows? That seems, that seems suspicious. I don't know, <laughs> man. I, I just read what they tell me. <laughs> you, stu- you stumble out, out of the cave uh, to, to, to see, you know, TV show host going, hey, and here's our next contestant. Yay! So tell us, what did you experience in the cave? <laughs> All right, well, tell them the next one. This one's from <laughs> Cheryl Bogle. Hmm. About three summers ago, my son, his wife, and another couple rented two canoes and we were going down the river near the Bell Witch Cave. The waterfall near the cave was rushing down the mountainside and beautiful. The guys decided to bank their canoe and climb the side of the embankment to get to the top of the waterfall. At the time, neither one of the guys knew they were in the vicinity of the Bell Witch Cave. When my son reached the top of the embankment, he recognized the area for which he had been to the caves before on a tour. He told his friends, where they were, and they walked over to the locked, heavily barred gate and stood there peering inside. As they turned to leave, there was such a blood-curdling scream come from out of the cave that my son and his friend took off down the side of the mountain in a flash, cutting their arms and legs on branches on the way down. These young men are both about 250 pounds, and at the time, about 26 years old. So they are not just kids with highly creative imaginations. I got a call about 10 o'clock that night, and he was still upset about what he had heard. He told me the story and even thought it had happened about five hours earlier, and he was still upset about it. I don't know if there is anything recorded that might be set up in the cave to scare unwanted trespassers away or not, but if not, that had to be the scream of the Bell Witch, a demon from hell. Dun, dun, dun! dun. Demon from hell! 
that's a good one, man. Screams freak me out for sure, <laughs> for sure. Well, you know, it's 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 going to be it's 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 one of three things with me. It's a blood curdling scream. Which okay, now admittedly, uh, when climbing up to uh, to Waverly Hills, um, one of our first times around that we had ever gone up there. Uh, it was a blood-curdling scream that we heard off in the distance that made us run back down the hill. Second is hearing my name being said. If if a, if a ghost is pointing me out in particular and calling me out by name, mm-hmm. I'm gone at the door. Yep, I've told then, you. I've told you. I hear my name quite. Yeah, a bit. you hear your name being called quite often, which is you know that's hair raising on its own. And then the third is just for a spirit to downright say, get out. Yeah, who do you think you are? <laughs> Whatever. I, and, and, you know, plus I'm, I'm respectful of other people's property, and if this thing wants to be out of its house and it's saying, it's get out, I'm fine. gone. I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another one. This one comes from Jason McCurry. He's actually from Haunted Lives Paranormal Society. Uh, so here's his story. I have a compelling tale to tell. We were going to Rock Castle in Hendersonville, Tennessee to have an interview with the Bell Witch Haunting movie director and the producer. Around the same time, we were heading to Rock Castle from Nashville, and suddenly we started having problems with our Jeep, and all of our gauges stopped working. Our original agenda included a two-day tour of Adams, Tennessee, to take pictures and speak with local historians. That, of course, did not happen. Before we left Hendersonville, we stopped at a garage to have our Jeep looked at. While we were sitting there, my wife and I made a decision. Our decision was not to go to Adams, Tennessee. The guy at the garage told us we had a computer problem. That was the reason the gauges were messing up. The speedometer and the RPM gauges ceased to work on the interstate all the way to Rock Castle. We had the interview then. We decided to stay at a hotel in Franklin, Tennessee if the Jeep would make it. Funny thing happened. The more distance we drove away from Adams, the more our instruments decided to work. (laughs) By the time we arrived in Franklin, it was as if nothing had ever happened. And to this day, our Jeep is running just fine. (laughs) Even your vehicle didn't want to go down Yeah, he couldn't even get close. Like, (laughs) your vehicle's computers are going, nah, nah. Makes me wonder if anybody else driving that stretch, like, has experiences too. Like and they weren't even yeah wow that's See, a that, crazy that, one. that's actually one of those one of those things that the why I'm afraid uh, of vehicles getting too computerized mm-hmm. because who knows I mean you know there there are things that can influence a computer's decisions but apparently this is a self aware computer <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> and was afraid of the Bell Witch getting in and actually like possessing it yep. So even nah, yeah, bruh, we drive in through. <laughs> Just keep your pedal to the metal. Look out the window. Let's go. <laughs> uh, this next Roll one. Up. <laughs> this next one is cool. I'm gonna have you read this. This one comes from a direct descendant of Ju- the uh, Bells. This is Patricia Bell Tyler, a direct descendant. Woo! I am a direct descendant of John Bell, and I have heard the stories of the Bell Witch since I was a little girl. One encounter my family had was on a Sunday drive down to the Bell property. This was before the cave and all was there. It was a bright, beautiful, sunny day. We all piled out of the car at the Bell Cemetery to look at the gravestones there, and we were walking among them. All of a sudden, the sky got really dark, and it looked like it was going going to storm. Big raindrops were dropping, and the wind blew so cold and strong. We all got back in the car and drove away. As my dad was backing the car out of the cemetery area, the sky cleared and was blue, and the wind stopped. Needless to say, we got out of there at that time. Yep, smart moves. She's a <laughs> yeah. bell. She's a bell. She knows. <laughs> like, you, you know what? No, let's go. Let's just go. I just, I love the immediacy of the weather clearing, though. Just the bell witch is already going, ha, huh, family. Yep, exactly. Welcome. Let me show you what I did to your, your grandfather. 
So that's that's the last one I have uh, in terms of encounters. There's still plenty, plenty, plenty. Uh, as usual, we're going to get into our listener story here before we wrap up. Uh, but if you have a story yourself, or uh, it doesn't have to be about a particular topic, we'll still read it. Um, or you can record it and send it to us to fearscapepodcast at gmail.com. Especially if you've had a run-in with the Bell Witch yes, yourself. Absolutely. If you have any stories from there in Please. Adams, Tennessee. Absolutely. Or find us on uh, Facebook or or Twitter, it's all Fearscape Pod or Fearscape Podcast. You can send us messages there or just comment anywhere. Um, I would love to hear those stories. Uh, I want to get into that. So, uh, great Bell Witch. Super spooky, super fun. A little bit of uh, ghost, a little bit of cursing and bewitchery. So, uh, sounds like she likes to play with people a lot. Yeah, yeah so definitely. Kind of fun. Yeah, nefarious. <laughs> um, highly, go go check out the Blair Witch Cave and the Blair Witch... I keep saying Blair. <laughs> go, 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 go. God, guys, you guys could have gotten a better name, like the Stevens Witch or something. I don't know. Uh, go to the Bell Witch property uh, and the Bell Witch Cave. You can go to Bell Witch. Uh, I already forgot. What is it? Bellwitchcave.com. Duh. Uh, Bellwitchcave.com. Go check that out. Go visit. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Um, other than that, I want to get into our listener story because it comes from a very good friend of ours, Ed. I was going to say, or you could just uh, watch the Blair Witch on... Yeah, okay. yeah shut up. No. <laughs> this, Never mind. This comes... Why don't you introduce the person that is yeah, doing this sure. listener that'd story? Be, that'd be great if I could. Yeah, this listener story comes from one of our brand new DJs here at WCHQ. Her, her name is Naoma. She is the host of our Wednesday CHQ Country Roots show. And I will tell you this. I've been in here recording while she's been doing her show, and she is the most fun person to watch. She is so much She loves music so much, as well as the paranormal. Her and I have been chit-chatting for a while, and she sent me a slew of stories. And I'm so, sure she got, I'm sure she sent you a lot. She's a lot. Got, and she's got more. We're, uh, in fact, what I'm trying to do right now is I'm going to play a couple of her stories over the next couple episodes as a lead into having her on the show. That'd be great. So yeah. that's what we're going to do here. So this is her first listener story from Naoma. My name is Naoma, and I've seen some stuff. Ever since I was a little kid, I've had... Abilities that were a little bit out of the norm, if you know what I'm saying. I have clairvoyance, claircognizance, clairaudience, and a few others of the clair area. I believe that everybody has these abilities, but just at some point in our lives, we close off to it. Either somebody has told us that, hey, that's not a real thing, or maybe you got scared at some point when you were a little kid and you closed off to it. Mine just never closed off. Mine just always kind of stayed open. And I think it's because I had a mom that was very open to it as well and actually very interested in the spirit realm. And from what I can tell is it's kind of passed down in generations because I believe my mother told me that my grandmother and my great-grandmother also had some psychic abilities. So it runs in the family. So I'm going to tell you a few of my ghost stories. My stories span from when I was little to, like, last week. I'm only going to be picking out a few of my stories. The, the ones that will actually make you go, Oh, uh, alright, alright, that's... Uh, okay, that's, um, that's weird. But, uh, but I figured I would start out with one of my absolute favorites. Picture me a little kid. I was probably about 13. And I started having really bad sleep paralysis. For those who don't know what sleep paralysis is, that is where... You go to sleep, and at some point you have a nightmare, and you wake up from the nightmare and you cannot move. Now, I've read all about the whole scientific theories where your mind woke up before it told the rest of your body it was okay to move, because it doesn't want you to be moving around while you're sleeping, because you'd be acting out your dreams. So it's like a safety thing, but I I just don't know if I really believe that, because there's just been so many examples of sleep paralysis in all walks of life all religions all anything so it just it's just weird that it it spans so many different people and it's always the same stories all accounts kind of describe it as going to sleep having a nightmare where there's a demon in the room 
and then you wake up, you can't move, but you can still see the demon, which is scary. But I, don't, I just don't know. I, I think there's something a little bit more spiritual to it. I think there can be like a physical element, but I think it depends on what's happening during the episode, if that, if that makes sense. But anyway, back to mine. So I'm asleep and I start having this dream. I'm just laying in my bed in the dream and I'm looking up at the ceiling. And in my viewpoint, this woman's face comes like she's floating right over me, comes up into my vision. Her eyes are glowing red and she is staring down at me viciously. And it's almost like... I, get, I just know that she's not human. I, I don't know if she's a demon. I don't know what she is. But I remember I woke up from the nightmare and I was in severe panic. I couldn't move. There was a dark figure hanging over me and I'm staring at the dark figure. And the area of my body where the dark figure was was hot and had pins and needles. The area where the dark figure wasn't was cold, like ice cold. And I finally just said in my head over and over again, I command you to leave. I command you to leave. And finally, the feeling of being paralyzed dissipated, and so did the dark figure. Now, I told my mom about this. I told her that, you know, I had seen an apparition in my room and that it had, it was trying to attack me in my sleep or something to that degree. And my mom kind of laughed about it. She was like, oh, you were just dreaming. You had a nightmare. That's no big deal. And I was just like, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure that this was something, but okay. It's fine that you don't really believe me. So a couple weeks later, I'm homesick from school. And my mom's upstairs. She's doing the laundry. And she hears me moving around in my room. She turns and she says, Naoma, what would you like for, what would you like to eat for lunch? I didn't answer. She hears me moving again. Naoma, what would you like to eat for lunch? I didn't answer again. She turns and she looks. And standing in my room is a woman in a long green plaid dress, hair up in a bun, floating, staring out my window. And little by little, the woman turns and stares back at my mother with glowing red eyes, just like the woman that I had seen in my dream. My mom freaks out at this point, covers her eyes. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. What am I seeing? Who is that? And she goes and she runs into her bedroom. Later on that day, my mom comes downstairs and finds me in her chair, eating SpaghettiOs. That is when my mom said, I'm sorry, I saw the woman, I believe you. Now this is going to cut to me quite a few years later, probably 26 or so, when I first got married and my husband had moved in with me and my parents. My husband and I started sleeping in the old bedroom where I used to sleep in. And never in his life has he ever experienced sleep paralysis. But in that room, my husband experienced it for the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time. He experienced it continuously, and he would have nightmares with it each time. And he stopped having sleep paralysis when we moved out. I don't know what it is about that room. I don't know why the sleep paralysis only happened in that room, in that house. But... That's where it happened. Wow. Holy cow, that is creepy. That's one oh that's just gosh. one story she's got for us. <laughs> <laughs> so she is definitely uh along the lines of myself and Brad and some other people that the ghosties they love us. Like, you, you know, the funny thing is that she mentions about her husband that he had never had sleep paralysis mm-hmm. before in his life until they moved into that room. 
Uh, fact of the matter is, I've only had one episode of sleep paralysis ever in my life. And, and it, it was in her childhood bedroom? <laughs> no, it's not childhood bedroom, but bedroom of the home that we live in now. But ever since just that one episode, it's never happened again. But still, it is. The, I wonder if that's a thing. You move into a new place and that that there's maybe something that manifests in your brain i don't know mind about that home or something but anyways we got to get out of here ed we We can't question it now now. save it for later thanks for joining me again ed as usual i love having you on no problem man it's my pleasure uh so let's get on out of here make sure to send your stories to fearscapepodcast at gmail.com and this is stefan i will catch you on the flip side and i'm ed and i'll see you guys on monday see you next time folks I'm so glad you were able to join us for that horrifying discussion. I hope they didn't frighten you too much. (laughs) Tune in next week for even more research into the nightmarish and haunting creeps and spooks that we tell ourselves don't exist, but we know they do. Make sure you have your blankets that you hold them extra tight. Next time on Fearscape. <laughs>